0: Praise the Lord. Thank you. I want to thank everyone who's stepping in and helping last minute as we're um, holding services. You know, pastor and the family are gone, but we still have people everywhere um, playing the piano, leading the singing. It's a blessing not to have to lead the singing and preach, though it can be done. It's a blessing when you don't have to do both. As you know, uh, usually when I lead the singing on Sunday morning, I'm ah, like this afterwards. So um, it's a blessing to have others helping out. And thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. First uh, Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel Chapter 17, I was just going through my devotions and I came across this and um, then my dad said he was leaving and I was like, well, I guess I know what I'm preaching on Thursday night. So we're going to actually be covering probably one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible, a story that is makes it into the analogy of it, makes it into the sports realm. All through our society is the story of David and Goliath. But First uh, Samuel, Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to read um, the major portions of it, but we're not going to read all of the passages just uh, for time's sake, but First uh, uh, Samuel chapter 17, verse number 1, as we begin, uh, we, as we read God's word, it says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, which were gathered at Shokah, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched bes- between Shokah and Ascah and Esphedim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. Whose height was six cubits and a span. Just that's about nine foot six inches. It could be anywhere from there up to about 10 feet. So we're talking about a really big guy. We're actually getting so about nine feet six inches somewhere between nine and 10 feet somewhere in there. And so taller than everybody else. We can say that pretty easy. He was nine foot six inches and he had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, or about 126 pounds. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. That's about 15 pounds. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. And come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him... And kill him, then ye be then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And uh um, Saul or David. We encounter David. David's father sends him to where the battle is. Verse number twenty. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle for Israel. And the Philistines had put the. Ba- "...put the battle in array, army against army, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, and ran into the army, and came, and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him." And were sore afraid, and the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach? "...from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, "...so it shall be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down thither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness?" I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And the words which were, and the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came out a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion And out of the paw of the bear he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor. And I flipped the page. Give me one second. Sorry. Fingers got in the way. Okay. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand, and chose five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said unto David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver Thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth might know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came, and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, and took thence a stone, and slung it, and smote the Philistine in the forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead. And he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling, and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took a sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou comest to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sharam, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. I just pray that you would bless now as we consider your word, that you would speak. Lord, that you would uh, make your message clear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we read the whole story. Many of of us have probably read this story countless times. If you've been here in Sunday school... I'm sorry, I need a drink of water after reading all that. If you've been here in Sunday school, we've gone through the story. Like I said, it's a very famous story. We've heard the phrase David versus Goliath. We use that any time... There's the underdog versus the, um, the heavy favorite. Goliath was supposed to win, yet David overcame him. But there was a lot more in this story. It's not just David versus Goliath. There's, there's a lot more going on in this story than just David versus Goliath. But we're going to consider that. We're going to get in. We're not going to be able to deal with every part of it. You could preach a dozen sermons out of David and Goliath and never get to where all the different aspects of it. And I was struggling with where I was going to go a little bit with it. So if you'll hang with, with me as we go, we'll try not to move too fast, but at the same time, get out before 9 o'clock. But I've never been known for being long-winded, so we shouldn't have to worry about that. But in life, we don't necessarily face Goliaths today. We don't face walk through the doors of our house and have nine foot six big and ugly standing in our living room facing us. But there can be just as impossible situations that we face. There can be things in our life that we come up against that can feel just as impossible to overcome as Goliath did to the people of Israel. Um, there can be situations in, in, our, in our own lives where we need a victory from God, where we need God to work, we need God to do a miracle, um, but it seems nothing is changing. It could be lost loved ones that we've witnessed to and we've witnessed to and we've witnessed to, but it, it seems nothing is changing. Or it can be unspoken requests. Every Sunday night, a pastor asks, how many unspoken requests? And people lift their hands. And sometimes it's the same ones that, we are, that we're praying for. We don't know the details, but we're praying for week after week. And we're waiting to see God move. Because that's what we're praying for. We're waiting to see God accomplish what only He can accomplish. The problem is, we often view the situations, the battles, whatever phrase, the trials, whatever phrase we want to use. There's situations in our life that are uncomfortable that we need or uncomfortable. We could use, um, there's things that we need God to accomplish in our own lives or in other people's lives. And we can see those situations, those issues with a natural view. What do you mean by a natural view? Well, it would look like this. How can I deal with this? How am I going to overcome it? We're looking at this problem and we're, and we're, we're counting facts. We're counting dollars. It may be a financial problem and we're, and we're counting dollars. How is this going to work? And we're looking at our budget. We're looking at how much is coming in. We're looking at what needs to go out. And we're saying this does not match. This is an impossible situation. We see what needs to be done. We're looking at it with just what is here, what is in that situation, and what we have at our disposal to face that situation, and it's impossible. There is many things that come in life that will create that scenario where if we look at it with a natural view, this is what's going to happen. We're going to be filled with fear, and we're going to be filled with discouragement. We're going to be filled with fear and discouragement. But through the story of David and Goliath, this is what I challenge you with, is that through faith, we can see the battle the way God sees it. We can see the battle how God sees how things actually are matching up. How we can, how God sees how that battle is supposed to take place. Israel was in a situation where we could say they were in in an impossible situation. Just a little bit of background context is very important. If we go all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14 and 15, around 20 years before David and Goliath, Israel had demanded of the prophet Samuel that God give them a king. They had been... a, a under Philistine oppression, if you've read the book of Judges, which is right before leading into the book of First Samuel, there's constant things where they were under oppression and then God sent someone and a, a judge, they would get right with God and God would deliver them. Then they'd go back into sin and they would go, be under oppression and enemy armies would be over them. And then they would pray to God and God would give another deliverance. If We many of us know the stories of that. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and chapter 13, at this time they were under the Philistine oppression. The same Goliath's buddies, okay? And this was um, 20 to 30 years before that. And they came to Samuel and said, "We, we need God to deliver us, but we don't want another judge. We want a king. We want a king so we can be just like all the other nations. We need a king to lead us so we can overcome the Philistines, even though... The reason they were under Philistine oppression was not because they did not have a king. The reason they were under Philistine oppression was because of the sin in their lives, how they were not living for God. They were serving idols. They were doing their own thing. And they said, if we just had a king, we would be delivered. That wasn't the case. But God said, okay, you want a king to deliver you? You don't want me to deliver you anymore? I will give you a king. And Saul was the tallest the handsomest man around, and God said, "This will be your king." And everybody was like, "Yay! Oh, he's the best." He was head. In, the Bible says he was head and shoulders above all that was around him. He was Israel's giant. He was the best they had. He was strong. He was tall. He was handsome, and he was going to be their king. In chapter fourteen and chapter fifteen. Had been was their first major battle with the Philistines, with Saul as king. But remember, he offered the sacrifice that Samuel was supposed to offer. And so, God, there was a victory, but there was not complete victory. Up to that time, there there hadn't even been smiths in Israel. The Philistines had come in and taken away their, the, the skilled workers that could make swords and sharpen swords. They were under Philistine oppression. The Lord had given Saul a partial victory, so now they were at odds, odds with each other, okay? The Philistines weren't over Israel, and Israel wasn't over the Philistines. That's what we have to get, all right? When Saul started reign, the Philistines were over Israel. They were in complete control. There was no sword makers in Israel. Israel's army didn't, the only people that had swords were Saul, Saul and Jonathan. There was no weapons in Israel, they were under great oppression. Saul won the first victory. It it wasn't a complete victory, but for the next 20 years, Philistines were in their land, Saul was in his land, and while there was fighting back and forth, there was no longer the oppression. There was no longer the Philistines in the land. Yet, Saul had begun to, remember with the Amalekites, how he kept the best of the sheep, and he kept the Agag king alive. God had rejected Saul from being king. And told Saul, and I'm going to give the kingdom to a neighbor that is better than thou. And in chapter 16, we come across how an evil spirit. Saul no longer had the presence of the Lord in his life. And an evil spirit came on him. And he no longer had the leadership of God. He no longer had the presence of God. A young David came, was called to come to the palace to play the harp. To bring refreshment to the Saul as he was going through this troubling time because of his sin in his life. And during this time, God was preparing David to be the king and leader his people needed, because Saul wasn't being the leader. Saul didn't have the presence of God anymore. Saul didn't have the Spirit of the Lord on his life anymore. He couldn't give the leadership to the people of God that they needed because he didn't, He had rejected God, he had rebelled against God, and God says. You're going to be king for a while, but it's not passing down. Your son's not going to be king after you. You're just stuck in limbo, really. You're, you're just there until the next king comes. So at this time, as all this is going on, I hope you stayed with me as we were going through that, if you're familiar with the stories you did, it, that all plays a, a role in what is going on here in chapter 17. The Philistine armies once again invaded the land to bring Israel back into servitude. They came back. They finally massed their armies again. They were coming back into the land with this goal. We're going to make Israel servants again. They're going to serve us. They're going to surrender their crops to us. They're going to give us what we want. They're going to pay whatever tribute to us. They were coming back in to reestablish their dominance. That This was not just a friendly spat going on. Uh, The armies of Philistines were on the Israeli border. They were coming into the land. They were invading. And this time they're like, we're not taking any chances. Uh, We're not going to leave anything up to fate. They even had brought their secret weapon with them. Someone that, as we read, we're very familiar with. Goliath of Gath. They were coming in, this was their purpose. They were coming in to put Israel back in bondage. They were coming in to take Israel, the people of God, and put them in servitude to the gods of the Philistines. They brought Goliath in. There's that Saul hears that the armies of the Philistines are coming. He gathers his armies. He gets them up on their mountain. And the Philistines are on this mountain, and they're 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 ...doing their battle plans and they're lining up their soldiers. The Bible says that they put their armies in array. And uh, what array just means they lined up their soldiers. There's um, In the days of swords and spears, there was a reason why they lined up. In the way they lined up, it would give impetus to a charge. It would put weight behind it so you could break through the enemy lines. And it was part of the strategy of that day. So they lined up their little soldiers... Not really, but they lined up their soldiers and they were facing off each other. There was a valley. they were saying, "This is what we're going to do, they're, they're everything." and all of a sudden the ground starts trembling a little bit. And doom, doom. And here is the rest of the army. And you just see the army parting. Here is literally the heads of the army. and here is Goliath walking through. From what we can tell, he was close to about 9, between 9 and 10 feet tall, and he would have weighed between 600 and 850 pounds as a man, between 600 and 850 pounds, and he didn't need to go on a diet. That was his running weight. That was his fitness weight. He was a a big man, shall we say. He was wearing a male coat. Okay, that would be little coins that we're going to have to hurry or I'm going to be weighed. We're never going to get to the end of it. His coat weighed 125 pounds. He had brass um, shin guards basically on. He had a brass helmet. If you put all that together, it was over half a ton of weight that was facing somebody. Now... The average height back then, I would be considered a giant we 're talking probably five foot eight, something like that, so a heavy guy of five foot eight, maybe one hundred and eighty pounds. here comes Goliath of Gath by the way, his spear was the beam was that big around he had a he had a sixteen pound sledgehammer okay on the end of his spear this wasn 't just for um doing, he could break down houses with his spear. He's, he's there. He has an armor bearer carrying a shield in front of him. Just to add to it, to his size, some of it concealed. And here's, here's was his challenge to the nation of Israel. Choose a man to fight me. And whoever so happens to win this fight, um, wins the war. And I just have a feeling that as Goliath was explaining the rules that he was setting up for the fight, he he's leaning on this little tree, okay, this little bush kind of thing. It's like, but if I kill him, and he just rips the thing out of the ground, like throws it 20 feet, and it's like, then we win. You know, I mean, here's was the entire thing. He was, too, he was intimidating to them. He was setting up a challenge to them. He was saying... I defy the armies of Israel. He was defying their God. He was saying, there's nothing you can do to stop me. I'm bigger than you. I'm badder than you. And you're not going to do anything about it. But send a man. He's taunting them. Sometimes it can seem that those that are opposed to God are constantly on the offensive. That we can be constantly on the defensive. They always, it always seems if we look at it that they have the upper hand, that they outnumber us, that those that are against God seem to be better equipped or better financed. The problems can seem impossible and God is defied in our world today and are all around us and spoken against without consequence. It can seem an impossible situation. And what is often the response of God's people? How is, if we look at it in the Bible with Saul, how was this king thing working out for Israel? I mean, Saul was the tallest Israelite, he was the strongest Israelite. The Bible says in the end of verse number 10 that they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Dismayed has this idea. It was, they were literally broken in pieces. They were picking them up off the ground. Or this idea that they were just awestruck to the point that they, they couldn't see anything else. They in their dreams they saw Goliath. In in their waking moments as they were eating their food, they saw Goliath. They could hear Goliath. They they, they didn't it was just their natural response to the problem was fear and despair. Saul and Israel were all terrified. But if you or I were facing Goliath outside of God's intervention, we would be with them. Okay? If you were facing somebody who weighed 850 pounds and made human jelly as a living, I think I'd be a little bit afraid too. This guy was not to be messed with. But when we look at it with our natural eyes, this is what can happen. The enemy can seem invincible. There's nothing we can do about it. It is much easier to wait for someone else to step up. I mean, really, who wanted to be the guy that was responsible for losing the war? Think about it that way. Who wanted to be the guy, not only did he get killed by Goliath, but his family's name went down in history as the guy who lost the war to Goliath, and now Israel was in bondage to Goliath. So we'll just let somebody else take that thing. The stalemate takes hold as the idea of victory slipped away. The Bible says for 40 days this happened. When we view the problems facing us with a natural view or what we can see, what is physically there, we are going to be filled with fear and discouragement. But through faith, we can see the battle The way God sees it, the problem was those who should have been providing leadership were cowering in their tents. That was Saul. Offering rewards for others to step up. While God's name was daily, being mocked, morning and evening, the people of God seemed powerless. There was nothing they could do. Here was Goliath. They got up their army every morning, went up. There was Goliath. They turned around and went back. They got, came back in the evening. There was Goliath. They turned around and went back. What? This is, this is not the way it's supposed to work. And David, under orders of his father, arrives on this scene. This scene of chaos. This scene of, of despair. And was heartbroken by what he saw. He comes. David was not searching for greatness. He was not um, seeking to fight a giant. He was simply being obedient to, to his father and was there to encourage his brothers. And here's what he finds. He finds the army of the living God shamed and quaking with fear. David hears Goliath for the first time. And he sees the armies of the living God... Running like rabbits and hiding behind anything they could possibly find, and David is saying, "Who's? He's calling somebody. Uh, Are you going? No, no, no. Saul promised a bunch of stuff, but I'm not going." And so so David begins to go around. He begins to seek this person. Hey, I, I mean, Saul. I mean, Goliath is going against and and blaspheming the name of the living God. Aren't you going to do something about it? Not me. And he goes to the next person, goes to the next person, right down the line and saying, will somebody do something about this? Finally, the word gets to Saul, the king, and say, this guy, David, he's going around and asking everybody, and it's kind of embarrassing that there's no, that this little kid's going around. So far, nothing has happened. Goliath is still roaring curses from the valley. The army of Israel is still hiding behind any cover they can find. But God has brought David here for a specific purpose. Remember, David is to be the next king. Part of this, part of what is going on is God is showing Israel that David is going to be their next king. He is putting David on a public display. And with the faithless, faithlessness and the fear that is Around him, among the people of God, David responds with faith in the living God, does he not? We know the story. No one else was willing, and so David said, Here am I. That's what David said. He said, Let not your, let no man's heart fail him fail because of him, thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. The, the word fail it, it literally means to fall. Like, don't let your heart drop. Don't, don't let your heart stop. Just listen, I'll go. If nobody else will go, I will go. And Saul's so like, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. You're You're a kid. David wasn't even 20 years old. If he had been 20, he would have been with the army. God's law set up, you had to be 20 years old to be uh, part of the army. So David was younger than that. You're a kid, David. You can't do this. But here's what David did. He responded with faith. He said, I remember what God has done in my life. Yes, there's a giant out there who's big. But he's cursing God. And I remember what God has done in my life. There was a, there was a lion one time that came into, the, came into the flock and tried to take my sheep. And there was a bear as well. And God delivered me out of the hand of the lion. I'm, I'm a kid. I had a stick. And I had a sling. And yet a lion came in. And God gave me deliverance over the lion. God was at work in my life. The power of God was present. God gave me a victory then. And He could do it now. He said, thy servant, verse number 36, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. This is what David did. When he was faced with the giant, he said, I remember who God is. I remember what God has done in my life. And God hasn't changed. God hasn't suddenly uh, decided that uh, a lion's okay and a bear, I can do that. But Goliath, no, I'm... That's a little out of my... No, David said, we are the armies of the living God. We serve God. I remember what God has done. And I know God can do this. He said, God will deliver me. When we view the battle through faith, we can see the battle the way God sees it. God knew that... David knew that God was able to deliver. David had this. He had a faith response. Instead of a natural response. We see Saul. That's what is happening here. The Bible, God is contrasting two people. He's contrasting Saul. And he's a man who is a king, but serving himself. With David, who will be king, but was later called a man after God's own heart. We see Saul. He has the natural response. He is the biggest, strongest Israelite there is, right? He's head and shoulders above the rest. Here's what Saul sees. He sees 800 pounds. With Saul looking at it, he sees 1,000 pounds. He's exaggerating, okay? Saul seeing that, he's saying, I'm not that big. I can't do that. Saul was exactly right. He couldn't do that. But Saul had a natural view of it. He had a natural response. We have David over here. He sees Goliath, but he sees God. David has what we call a faith response. What did that look like? He put his full confidence in the Lord alone. He took what God had given him and used that. He didn't take Saul's armor. He took five smooth stones and the sling and the stick that he had. This is what God had given him to be as a shepherd. He said, this is what I have. This is what God can use. God doesn't need a great sword. God doesn't need me to have all the latest fads or whatever. This is what God has given me. God is able to use what I have to give the victory because it's not me. It's God. He picked five smooth stones. They say that uh, uh, um, a slinger stone would be about the size of a tennis ball. So we're not talking a pebble. I mean... The idea was to hurt somebody bad. Okay? So he has a stone about the size of a tennis ball. Now, I think, being David, when he saw Goliath, he looked for the biggest ones he could find. I imagine somewhere around a baseball or a softball. He wanted, he wanted anything extra he could. Okay? But he said, this is what God has given me. I'm going to use that. He gets his stones. Notice, the power was not in David's sling. Or even in David's preparation, there's a lot of pastors, and they're absolutely right, who talk about how David, if, if he was able to defeat the giant, one of the reasons why, he, he was good with a sling. okay, But it wasn't David's skill with a sling that defeated the giant. It was the power of God. The power was not in David's sling, or even in David's preparation. Notice, David came in the name of the Lord. Goliath, this is what he said. Verse number 45, then David said to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. David said, I'm following God. I'm going to have a faith response. David knew it was God who was going to win that fight, not David. David. David, and here's this, Goliath is there roaring, he's kicking up dust, he's throwing rocks. He's saying, you send out a kid to me with a stick? I'm a great warrior. Come on, send somebody out. He sees David, he's like, I'm going to feed you to the birds, boy. He's yelling at him and screaming and using all kinds of terrible language. The Bible says he cursed him by his gods. You know what David said back to him? That God's going to deliver to me into your hands, and we're going to put the Carcasses of the host of the army of the Philistines to the birds and to the beast. He said, we're not going to just get you, Goliath. We're getting all of you. We're getting the whole army. Goliath said, we're going to, I'm going to feed you. Goliath, David said, we're going to get the whole army. I'm not just after you. I'm after the whole army. He expected that all the earth would know about the living God of Israel. He said, this is this is the reason why we're doing it. He said, that all the earth might know that there is a God in Israel. He wanted the world to know about God. Number two, he said, "This assembly, the people of Israel. To know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. Saul, it's not about the sword and the spear. It's about God. It's about, because only God can do the deliverance. He said, I want the world to know that there is a God in Israel. And I want Israel to know... That God doesn't deliver by you. God delivers by himself. God delivers and does his work through his own power. Now, up to this point, nothing had happened. Sometimes it's very easy to talk about trusting God. Sometimes it's very easy to know exactly what to do. But up to this point, even the conversation that David has had, David's still at a distance from the Goliath. He could turn around and hightail it if he wants to. The battle battle hasn't taken place yet. But David put himself in a place where God had to work. He runs towards Goliath. And he throws that stone. And sinks it right in his forehead. Kind of gross. Right? I mean, he's... And um, Goliath... The Bible says he had a helmet of brass on. Some people say I, he took that helmet off and threw it down. We don't know. You could have some fun telling the story. That is for sure. But we know this. David slung that stone. It wasn't a slingshot, okay? It was a sling. About this long. Swing it around. You can get that stone going a couple hundred miles an hour. Going like this. And he releases that. Hits Goliath right in the forehead. Remember, he's got a big brass coat on. He's got a helmet. He hits him in the one place. That is open. It sinks it into his forehead. Smote the, Phil- the Bible says, verse number 49, smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword. So David runs... He stood upon the Philistine. Now remember, if Goliath weighs 900 pounds, 800 pounds, whatever, he's not on the ground. He's on the ground. Okay? David jumps up onto the Philistine, pulls Philistine's sword out, and whacks off his nasty, gross head. And the Philistine army sees what's going on. They take off running. God gives the victory. The victory was complete. And we could, if, if we went into every deal, detail of it, I said we could preach a dozen sermons out of this. So we're just going to try to close up. we got about six minutes left. And I've only got about three pages of notes. So here we go. This is one of the greatest stories ever told, is it not? Even today, to, from kid's story to now, there's nothing that gets old about the story of David and Goliath. Why? Because we see God working in the life of David, we see a great victory that only God could give. But this wasn't just so we'd have a story to tell in children's church or so that I'd have something to stand up and scream about for 45 minutes on a Thursday night. This God is saying something both to the nation of Israel and to us today. And God was showing the nation of Israel what He can do with someone who simply trusted God he's showing the nation of Israel what God can do with someone who simply trusted God it was never David versus Goliath we got to rename the story it was never David versus Goliath it was David's God versus Goliath it was never David versus Goliath you got to get that that's the story It was never David versus Goliath. It was David's God versus Goliath. And David could face Goliath confident of victory because his confidence came from his faith in the living God. David wasn't there saying, I got this. But he could face the giant with confidence because he had his confidence that he knew the living God. That he served the God, the Lord of hosts who is in control of the entire world. See, when we view the problems in our life, when we view the situations, the trials, whatever, when we view it with a natural view, like what Saul was doing. Saul saw Goliath. David saw God. Saul saw the sword and the spear and the coat of mail and the outweight and all that was going on. David said, I know a God who's delivered me in the past and can deliver me now. God can take care of this situation. Because it was never David versus Goliath. It was David's God versus Goliath. And we know who won that one. Don't we? David knew God. He knew God's power. He knew God's presence. Simply this. We must view the battle through The lens of faith. We must view the battle through the lens of faith. Okay, I'm not talking about putting on rose-colored glasses and going through life. Everything's going to be great. Everything is perfect. Everything. No. David, I imagine David had some fear. Okay, but here was. He said, God is in control. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to leave the results up to Him. I'm not going to be full of fear by this thing that God can overcome. There is a natural response and there is a faith response. And we must learn to view what God allows in our life through the lens of faith. The fact of who God is. That we serve the living God. So that we can confidently face the obstacles in our path as our faith is in the living God. Just one story, and then I think, and then we're done. One of, I, I think I've told this story before, but one of my professors, Brother Pearson, would tell this story all the time. I traveled with him for three years, and he would tell this story all the time during the summer about how when he was a young man working with his dad, you know, 10, 12 years old, working in the garden with his dad. And he was cleaning out the rocks. Going through. And he was picking up the rocks and putting them in his wheelbarrow. And wheeling them out and throwing them in the ditch. Going back and getting more to prepare the garden. Well, One time, he, there was a rock there. And he, he used his little shovel and dug. And as he dug, the rock got bigger. No, he just uncovered more dirt. And uncovered the rock more. And he's digging down. And that rock just kept getting bigger. And he dug around he dug around. And he's looking at that rock, he's like, I can't lift this rock. So he bends down, he he lifts it a little bit, drops. He can't, he can't hold it. Tries again, this time he grunts, because if you grunt, it helps, right? And he goes and drops. And dad, and he looks up and his dad's just sitting there watching him. He goes, Now son, if you use all your strength, you can get that. You can use all your strength, you can get that rock up. He says, Dad, I'm using all my strength. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm trying. I'm going to get blessed. I'm, I'm using all my strength. He's like, if you used all your strength, you could, do, you could do that. So he bends down. This time, I mean, he gives it. He gets it about three inches up and it drops. Dad looks at him and says, Now, son, I've been sitting here watching, standing here watching you try to lift that rock for the past ten minutes. I'm your father. If you just ask me, we can do that together. You're not using all your strength, son, because you haven't asked me. Dad, can you help me get this rock out? Yes, son. Together, they lifted the rock. They took it to the wagon, wheeled it out, and Brother Pearson didn't even have to grunt to get it out. David saw the giant through what God could do. There's a faith response, and there's a natural response. Saul saw the giant, and he just saw the giant. David saw the giant, but he said, I've got a God who's bigger than the giant. question is, how will you see the giant? There's, I can't tell you. You know what's going on in your life. You know what you are facing. But I can tell you there's a God who's bigger. The question is, how are you going to see it? Are you going to say, there's no way I can come overcome that and be full of fear and discouragement and be hiding like Saul was? Or are you going to say, I know I can't overcome that, but I know a God who can. And I'm just going to obey by faith, and I'm going to do what God has told me to do, and we're going to let God give the victory that all the earth might know that there is a God in Israel. How are you going to see the giant? Let's pray.